Exodus chapter 6. I got a message from mum at 2am. Headlines that quick. I got a message from mum at 2am uh, last night, or 2pm, uh, yeah, 2am last night, um, from Canada, and her friend Cheryl, uh, some of you might know Cheryl Cross, she was a teacher at Grafton Primary for many years, her husband was a teacher at Grafton Primary as well, and um, it was about midnight, and she was texting mum, asking mum to send a message to me, asking for us to pray for her, uh, She's been going through cancer treatment for a while. Uh, I think she, she and her husband Jimmy have to go up to uh, the Gold Coast once a week for treatment. And she'd come back from the after having the treatment up at the Gold Coast. And I think Jimmy had gone off to play golf or gone up off to the golf club or something like that. And something happened and she collapsed in the kitchen. And Jimmy came back home to find a collapse on the kitchen. And so she was rushed off to Grafton Base. So she wasn't feeling the best and the fact that she was sending a message to mum to um, message me to be able to get us to pray as a church was something um, quite amazing I thought so obviously she's almost like a crying out to God so Lord willing hopefully um, might result in something but pray for them Jim and Cheryl Cross um, they had an older daughter and then there was a daughter a bit younger than us uh, younger than me who was um quite heavily had special needs and so they've not had the best of times the two of them um so yeah so if you keep could keep them in prayer it would be um, wonderful thank you exodus chapter six starting in verse one we'll read verses one through five then the lord said unto moses now shalt thou see what i will do to pharaoh for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them, to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I've remembered my covenant. Let's open a word of prayer. Dear wonderful and heavenly Father, we just thank you for this chance to be able to come before you tonight, to be able to spend time within your word and be able to study it and be able to see what you have for us. Lord, we just thank you for this book of Exodus, Lord, and the chance that we can be able to look at uh, the faith of Moses and the faith of the Israelites at, at times, but most of all that we can be able to see the power and glory of you and to be able to just see how in each and every situation you were in control and how through each and every stage, Lord, you were looking after your people. And Lord, the reminder for us that you will look after us is just a blessing to each of us. So we just pray that we might just have our eyes fixed upon you this night Help us to honour you, help us to glorify you, and help us to glean something from your word tonight. Be with me as I present your word, as I preach your word. Lord, just give me wisdom, give me guidance. Allow your name to just be glorified and lifted up and me to be just hidden away. 
that we might be able to walk away praising and glorifying the wonderful God of our salvation. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The last time we were here in the book of Exodus, Moses had been to see Pharaoh, asking for God's people to set them free. And of course, Pharaoh said no. But not only did he refuse, he decided that as a consequence for them wanting to go free, he would increase the Israelites' workload, causing them then to be frustrated with Moses and Aaron. And in turn, Moses then went to God, wondering what was going on. And now on his knees, asking God what is happening, God gives him a reminder that he is in control. A reminder that he knows what is best. A reminder that he will allow all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, as Romans 8.28 states. And it's these reminders that we'll look at tonight. As we see God's three reminders to Moses, showing that he is in control. God's three reminders to Moses showing that he is in control. Firstly, we see that God reminds Moses of his promise. God reminds Moses of his promise. Look in verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. Moses had felt the brunt of Pharaoh's frustration and hatred towards the Israelites. And then Moses had then felt the hatred of the Israelites towards him as well. And in Moses' eyes, nothing was seeming to work. Nothing was going to plan. And so Moses sought out God's help. This is where we ended last time. Let's just quickly look back at Exodus chapter 5, starting in verse 20. And they, that is the Israelites, met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our savour to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Moses sought God's help and he was praying now to God, saying, Lord, what's going on? You'd said you would deliver us and yet we're not delivered, not even one little bit. And Pharaoh hates us. How is this going to work? And now in chapter 6, we get to see God's reply. God puts him at ease. God puts him at ease, telling him not to worry because he is the one who is in control. It says here in chapter 6 and verse 1, The Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now shall you see my works. Now will you see my power. Now will you see my plan. So as if God said, watch me. Watch me show you the power that I have. Step back and look and see God's power as he takes over on Pharaoh. 
Moses wasn't going to defeat Pharaoh. The Israelites weren't going to defeat Pharaoh. God himself would be the one who would provide the victory. God would be the one to defeat Pharaoh on. One commentator said basically at this crux point, it's basically that Moses' ways were exhausted so God's ways could take over. God had told Moses his plan previously and he knew what was going to happen. Turn back to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 and starting in verse 17. And I have said I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt in, unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto the land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice and thou shalt come thou and the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I'll stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that he will let you go. And I'll give this people favour in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbour and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Pharaoh saying no was all part of God's plan. God knew that Pharaoh would say no. We've looked at that previously. He knew that that would happen. And now God is able to use this situation to then bring about the next stage of his plan. He's going to provide this strong hand upon Pharaoh. Look in verse 1 again of chapter 6. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land. His strong hand, strong hand part was a little bit and I had to sort of work it out. And from what I can understand, it's basically saying, for with a strong hand, that is God's hand, shall he let them go. And with the strong hand, Pharaoh will push them out or drive them out. So God was going to provide this strong hand upon Pharaoh, this strong hand upon Egypt. And because of God's strong hand and all the, all the things that will happen to Egypt, Pharaoh will then force Israel out of the land. God's strong hand would cause Pharaoh to drive Israel out with a strong hand. And Moses might have had doubts, but God knew what was happening. God knew what was going on. One commentator said this, Moses was discouraged because he was too impressed by Pharaoh and not impressed enough by God. He was too impressed by Pharaoh and not impressed by God. He should have been looking at God and saying, God, you know what's going on and I trust you. But instead, Moses was focusing on Pharaoh and looking at Pharaoh and going, oh, he's too strong. How are we going to get out of this mess? But Moses needed to be reminded that God was in control. And our desire should also be upon the Lord because our God is still in control. It was interesting talking with uh, Pastor Brennan and 
uh, Pastor Crockett at camp last weekend. Pastor Crockett had come out quickly to grab Lil to, so that she could be able to go vote. And we were talking about things, and at that stage it looked like it was going to be a Labor victory in the election. And Pastor Crockett said, it'd be interesting to almost do a message in 12 months and say, well, has the sky fallen in yet? And his point with it was that it might look like with things that are going on in this world that we might go, Lord, how is you making this all work? How are you allowing this to happen? But in the end, God is still in control. And no matter what might happen in our day-to-day lives, no matter what we might go through, God is still in control. And we just need to trust in him because God will take control of the situation and he will allow things to happen in his timing and his ways. Reminds me of Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. We might look at situations and go, Lord, surely this way might be better. But God says, no, I know what I'm doing. But surely, Lord, this needs to happen. No, I know when it needs to happen. We need to make sure that we are trusting in God's plan. And his plans might be different to our plans, but his plans are so much better than what we could even imagine. We need to just simply trust in his promises and trust that his plan will come about. And that's what Moses needed reminding of. He needed to be reminded that God was going to guide him. God was going to strengthen him. God was going to take him through each and every step. And sometimes we just need that reminder as well that God is the one who is in control. The commentator wrote this, Sometimes God allows trouble to continue in order to teach us to be patient. Moses seemed to think that the exodus would commence the moment he started obeying God. But godliness does not guarantee immediate results. God's plans often take a long time to develop while he reveals his glory through the gradual unfolding of his purpose. And the timing might not have been happening in Moses' time, but God knew what was going on. God was in control. And it's a wonderful reminder to be able to know that no matter what we might go through, whether we are are being afflicted or going through problems, God is the one who is in control. God will keep his promises. God will guide because he is in control of all things. And we just need to be trusting in him. It's part of his nature to control it because he is the almighty. He is the one who is sovereign. And it's even actually seen in his name. And that is our second point. Where secondly we see that God reminds Moses of his name. God reminds Moses of his name. Look in verses 2 and 3. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. God states to Moses in verse 2, I, the self-existent and eternal one, I am the Lord. And this was the God of the patriarchs, And we're given here in verse 3 two names of the Lord. Two names of God. The first one is that God Almighty appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. 
His word, name, God Almighty, is El Shaddai. And we see it in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17 and verse 1. As God speaks to Abraham, or Abram at the time. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. So the Israelites knew him as El Shaddai. But the second half of this verse here in verse 3 seems to almost be like a contradiction. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. The word Jehovah, of course, is the word Yahweh or YHWH as many of us know. But it seems weird for this to be said that they didn't know him as this name, Jehovah. Because we can find over about 160 times throughout the book of Genesis that he's referred to as Jehovah. He's referred to as this YHWH. So it almost seems like a contradiction. And there's two possibilities that this could be uh, referring to. You see, throughout Genesis, of course, the book of Genesis is written by Moses. And so Moses may have used this name Jehovah or used this name YHWH as he wrote the book of Genesis because that was the name that he knew God by. And that's very possible because knowing that as Moses wrote the book of Genesis, that's the name he's become accustomed to and so that's the name he would use. But the second one also seems to make sense and it says that this meaning of not known to them is more about experience or knowing him personally. Let me explain. The patriarchs knew of God's promises. The patriarchs knew of God's covenant with Abraham. They knew those things, but they never got to experience it. Whereas Israel from this point would begin to experience God's covenant. They would get to experience the land of Canaan that God had promised to Abraham. They would experience the Lord saving them out of Egypt. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, of course, the book of faith. But there's almost a line between the patriarchs and then the, those that might follow behind. And verse 13 almost seems to be the fulcrum between the both. These all referring to all those that were mentioned earlier in Hebrews 11. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Before this time, they had heard the promises. They knew the promises of God, but they hadn't experienced the Lord's covenant being fulfilled. They hadn't experienced the chance to be able to be in the land that God had promised them, in the land that God would have them to live. And so before this point, the patriarchs knew the promises. They knew the covenant of God. They knew what God wanted, but they hadn't had the chance to actually experience being in the land, the experience of the covenant being fulfilled. 
They didn't receive the promise. They simply just saw them afar off, as we saw in Hebrews 11.13. Once again, a commentator said it much better than me, and so I thought, why try and say it myself? They said, but now the time had drawn nigh when the Lord was about to fulfill his covenant engagement and Israel would witness the faithfulness, the power and the deliverance which his covenant name implied. God was about to manifest himself as the faithful performer of his word. And as such, the descendants of the patriarchs would know him in a way their fathers had not. They knew the promises, but they hadn't actually seen them fulfilled. And by all reports and by most of the commentators, this is what is meant in this verse 3, where he says, but my name Jehovah was I not known to them. They knew the promise, but they hadn't actually experienced it. They knew him as the promise maker, but Moses and the Israelites would now know him as the promise keeper. And even through just looking at the names of God, we are able to see that once again God was in control of this situation. That God was going to bring forth everything that needed to happen. And we can see the many promises throughout the word of God and throughout his name and he fills each and every one of them. Because he is the almighty God. He is the Jehovah. He is the one who saves. And he hasn't changed. That is the same God that we still serve today. That God who brought the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land that he had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. They would be able to experience and see the mighty hand of God at work. We can be able to see him at work today in our lives. As he answers prayer, as he answers and fulfills the scriptures, we can be able to see that he is the mighty God. He hasn't changed at all. He still keeps his promises to this day. And the Israelites would experience salvation just as he had promised to them. Just as he had promised in his covenant. And that's our third point. Which is where we thirdly see God reminds Moses of his covenant. God reminds Moses of his covenant. Verses 4 and 5. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Once again, God mentions his covenant with his people. Let's have a look back as we quickly see those promises or that covenant made in Genesis 15, first of all, and then Genesis 17. Genesis 15, starting in verse 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall will serve will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And they shall go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Also in chapter 17, starting in verse 1. 
And when Abram again, as we read before, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I'll make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. I'll make thee exceeding fruitful and I'll make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. I'll establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generation for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I'll give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. God mentions his covenant. And we've seen this several times as we've gone through the book of Exodus because God keeps on referring back that he was taking the Israelites out of Egypt to fulfill this covenant. The promise of the land to Israel, the promise for the land of Canaan, the promise to the land that they would go to live in. And God was bringing them out, bringing them out of the land of Egypt because he'd heard their cries In verse 5, And I also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I've remembered my covenant. He'd heard the cries as they called out from him, called out to him in Egypt. Exodus 2 and verse 23, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. And also in chapter 5, in verse 15, Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten. But the fault is in thine own people. He said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you, yet shall you deliver the tale of bricks. The officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in an evil case, after it was said, Ye shall not minish aught from the bricks of your daily task. And they met with Moses and Aaron who stood in the way, and they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto him, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our savour to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to slay us. They were calling out to God, calling out to God because they knew they were stuck in this predicament. But God hadn't forgotten them. God remembered, God kept in mind the nation of Israel because God had a plan for them. Now he was starting to put it all into action. And Israel had their eyes on God once again and he would guide them. Just as God guides us today, he would guided Israel out of persecution into the land that he promised them. God was in control. And we can to follow him in his ways because God is in control. 
And God makes promises to us and we can be able to refer to them and say to the Lord, Lord, you promised this in your word and he will allow them to come to pass. God was going to show his power and Israel just needed to watch. And we need to be able to see the Lord's hand at work and see his power in control of all things. Because God is in control. And what a wonderful reminder it is for us to be able to know that he puts all these things in place. That there's nothing that surprises him, there's nothing that shocks him, there's nothing that we can say or do that would completely surprise the Lord. There's nothing that the world can do that can surprise the Lord. God knows what's going to happen. He's omniscient, he's understanding, he's omnipresent. God knows what we're going through. And all he wants for us to do is just to trust in him. God is in control of all things and God's plans are perfect. And we need to remember to just trust the Lord. Because that promise in Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good. To them who love God, to them who are the called according to to his purpose. Praise God that he has a plan. Praise God that he is in control. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, we just thank you for the reminder that in all things you are in control. Lord, help us this day, this week, this year to always be looking to you. To, Lord, to not be surprised by what you do, but just to glorify your name. Help us to remember that in all things you are in control. Lord, we just pray that you might just help us to walk in your ways, to be trusting in you, to come before your throne of grace, bringing our petitions to you, but knowing that you have a plan. And that plan might not be our plan because it is so much more brilliant. It is so much more effective. Your timing might not be our timing, but that's because your timing is perfect. And you know what needs to happen exactly when it needs to occur. Lord, help us to have our eyes fixed upon you. Help us to honour you, to glorify you and to praise you. Lord, we just pray that you might help us each and every day to just follow in your ways and trust in you and to be reminded that no matter what we might go through, you are in control, we pray in Christ's name.